Al-Jazeera podcast. After decades in opposition, Anwar Ibrahim has become Malaysia's new prime minister. But he's the fourth leader in four years and faces a strong conservative opposition. So will Anwar Ibrahim bring political stability to Malaysia? I'm Hazm Sika and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. Well, let's bring in our guests now to talk more about this. In Kuala Lumpur, we have Fahmi Fadzil, a member of the Malaysian Parliament and Chief of Information uh, for Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's People's Justice Party. Joining us from Tokyo, James Chai, a visiting fellow at the ICS Yusuf Ishak Institute. And in Singapore, we have Meredith Weiss, a professor of political science at the University of New York at Albany. Good to have you all uh, with us. So, uh, Fami Fadzil, if I could start with you, is this a coalition that can work? I mean, he's he's got some tough challenges ahead, hasn't he, Anwar Ibrahim? Yeah, it's a it's quite a, a strange bedfellow. Uh, you know, I mean, strange strange uh, menagerie, if you would like to call it that. Um, we were just a few days ago fighting against each other, and now we are in the same government together. Uh, I think the circumstances are such. Uh, in Malaysia, when the king decrees that you form a, a unity government, uh, most political parties and political leaders will um, will have to follow. Uh, I think the only exception is uh, Mohyiddin's party, uh, which has decided to remain in opposition. So right now, we're all listening to the king. Meredith Weiss, will he be able to uh, unite a seemingly divided nation? I think so. If nothing else, I think that this is a more stable outcome than if this were indeed a unity government inclusive of Muhyiddin's Parikata Nasional. So I agree with Fabi that this is an unusual menagerie of parties, but at the same time, it includes all the major groups within Malaysia to an extent that wouldn't be possible with really any other combination of of parties. So hopefully this will indeed be uniting as opposed to more divisive. James Chai, what's your take on this? Will Anwar Ibrahim be able to navigate this strong strain of, of, of Malay nationalism and as well as the return to the religious right? Yeah, I think uh, what we learned from this election was that there is indeed a, a rise in terms of conservatism across the country, uh, especially across uh, the northern part of West Malaysia, where Islamic extremism seems to have taken a hold. Uh, by the search of parts. And what that necessarily means is that the rest of the country looks very polarised and uh, contradictory in, in terms of what it uh, stakes the future to be. And therefore, having a coalition uh, that consists of different uh, coalitions that are complementary to one another in serving its respective functions seems to be the best, repos- uh, best recipe to represent uh, race, religion and region which is precisely what the king had uh, specified uh, for this government to be formed. Just taking a step back for a moment, uh, Fami Fadzil, this is, we've had three Malaysian prime ministers in the space of four years. Why, uh, why do you think that is? I mean, what, what's, what's behind uh, the, the recent history of political instability, do you think? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it happened, began, it began in 2018 with the end of the hegemony of uh, Barisan Nasional, the National Front that had been in power for six decades. Malaysia had never been in a situation where Barisan Nasional, um, last led by Mr. Najib Razak, who now is languishing in prison, uh, we've never seen 
uh, any other political party take charge. And as a result, there became a contestation of uh, what was ostensibly uh, to be representatives of the Malays, uh, the so-called majority ethnic group in Malaysia. And that was uh, not sufficiently resolved because AMNO, uh, which is the Barisan Nasional's main component party, um, was still dominant. Yet Dr. Mahathir, who was leading uh, Pakatan Harapan, uh, with his party, Bersatu, at that time in 2018, was diminutive, was very small. And as a result, a series of treachery, a series of party hopping began, and then we saw changes of government every 12, 13 months. And it ultimately led to a very untimely demise of the Ismail Sabri administration. Um, and now this is where we are. Essentially, we have the old order collapsing and a new order trying to build itself so we're in between, uh, kind of like a in-between period. Meredith Weiss, what does Anwar Ibrahim himself bring to this? Uh, I mean, this is, this is the job that he's been uh, trying for for much of the last 30 years now, and he's finally there, 75 years old. What, what can he do now? Well, I think if nothing else, he brings a desperate desire to be prime minister, which in this circumstance could actually be quite the glue that the coalition needs in as much as he will do what it takes to make this last. But I do think that's what that what is especially warranted at this point is that he take on something of a statesmanlike role, which is, I think, actually quite a good fit for him. Leave perhaps some of the issues of policymaking, of ironing out differences to others within his party and his component parties within the coalition, and instead for himself really try to be a peacemaker, to represent both uh, a Malay and Islamist side that he historically came to power in his early days with, with that as his backdrop, but also the same multi-ethnic, fairly progressive, uh, not so conservative bent that his coalition has really championed starting back in the late 1990s in the Reformasi period, which is when he had left UMNO, uh, not, not voluntarily, uh, and then really started to champion this new surfacing alternative that has now developed into the contemporary Pakatan Harapan, the, the Alliance of Hope, as you mentioned. Uh, James Chai, I mean, Meredith touched on, on, on the, the fact that he has this kind of multi-ethnic coalition, but the opposition that he faces is, is quite strong as well, and it's rooted in this Malay nationalism and, and conservative, conservatism. How, how hard is it going to be to navigate that as he uh, pursues the, these policies? So what Anwar Ibrahim has to do, and I think this is something very clear on his agenda, which is the best way of actually counteracting uh, against the rise of uh, Malay nationalism as well as Islamic uh, extremism, uh, like as we've mentioned before, uh, is to get the fence-sitters who are currently leaning uh, in favour of a more conservative future. And the intersection between that um, conservatism and uh, poverty is actually a uh, cost of living. And therefore, he made it his first agenda of actually addressing cost of mm -hmm. living, uh, including asking uh, ministers to uh, work, uh, sorry, uh, asking government civil servants to work overtime to set up special meetings to actually resolve that issue. Because he knows that if he can actually address it and improve the lives of uh, uh, people who are, who are leaning towards the conservative side, he could actually draw them to the floor. 
The second thing that Anwar Ibrahim would do is that he would adjust the language that he used. And, and this is something that is quite uh, natural for Anwar Ibrahim to do, which is the things that he said could not appear to be too egalitarian to the point of threatening the positions of Malay Muslims in the country. So drawing that nuanced balance in the centre uh, is what uh, Anwar Ibrahim can and would do. Fami Fadzil, if we take this beyond the, the, the domestic politics and all of the various ethnic and, and religious issues, what is at stake, what is essentially at stake for Malaysians right now? What, what are the biggest challenges the country faces? Essentially, it's economic and um, some of the most difficult times uh, have come post, uh, you know, we're, we're entering a, an endemic phase of, of COVID-19. Uh, a lot of people have lost jobs. Um, it's, it's tough on the ground. Um, and I think uh, a lot of people are hoping that this administration uh, does not think of itself as entering a honeymoon period. It's it's really getting right into the kitchen and, and really cooking up um, some solutions for people. Uh, so, you know, messing up the first 30 days will mean uh, something really significant for ordinary Malaysians because the price of goods are going up. Uh, ordinary uh, food products like uh, chili, chicken, eggs, you know, it's, 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 it seems to be hard to come by and they're really expensive. So I think uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's about, you know, um, making sure that, that there's food on the table for, for ordinary Malaysians. So uh, Mr. Anwar really has a lot of work ahead. Um, and it's only been a day since he was sworn in. Um, it will take a few more days before I think he, he sets together um, the team uh, for his cabinet. We expect uh, probably sometime mid next week, uh, a new cabinet will be formed, if not entirely, perhaps uh, perhaps half of the team. But he has given an indication that his pri uh, his primary uh, focus and his main priority will be uh, people's welfare and cost of living. Yeah, you mentioned inflation there, and in inflation is indeed a, a global problem right now, but those problems are acute in Malaysia. Uh, Meredith Weiss, as, as uh, Fahmi mentioned there, there, there really is no... Honeymoon period is there for this government. What are they going to have to do to, to tackle the economic problems? Yeah, I agree with everything Fami just said. So even if we look at the most recent administration, so you asked earlier about the level of turmoil of the past several years, a lot of that obviously was personality challenges, was the fracturing of the coalition for all sorts of reasons related more to party politics and external factors. But it was also a really difficult time to be governing because of COVID, because of the economic challenges, because of all of that. And so it's not all that surprising that Mohidin's government in particular, which came in really as the pandemic started to tick up, then collapsed uh, quite ignominiously fairly quickly um, after proroguing parliament for nearly a year. And so in this case, we have a more stable basis coming in. We have this broader coalition. We have an electoral mandate. We have a lot of hope that this can all succeed. But it's a very challenging time to be governing. We're on the cusp of what appears to be a global recession. Inflation is an issue, but other economic concerns also were quite high in voters' minds. So we had, among different vote segments, Inflation, jobs, economic development, also anti-corruption is something that relates very closely with inflation or with, with economic challenges within the Malaysian context. All of these were first and foremost on voters' minds. And so I think Anwar and his coalition will really need to come up with an economic plan to appoint people within the cabinet and within other government bodies who are trustworthy, who are capable, who are not there as mere political appointees, but because they have actual skill and ideas and commitment 
really incredibly to address these economic challenges head on. What does all of this mean for Malaysia's place in the world, uh, James Chai? I mean, it was it was mentioned how uh, Anwar Ibrahim is very much a, a globalist. Um, what implications does this have for Malaysia's dealings with its neighbours and, and beyond that? Yeah, so generally, Anwar Ibrahim, uh, on his first two days, uh, reflected his personality and sort of his leadership style that we've seen 20, 30 years ago when he was in government, that he was a very open globalist uh, leader, as you've mentioned. So what that necessarily means is that with neighbours very close to him, like Indonesia, uh, as well as the rest of the Southeast Asian partners, uh, there will be more bilateralism as well as multilateralism that he would pursue. He has also stated his commitment uh, of uh, creating a strong ASEAN uh, region. And that necessarily means that uh, there will be more free flow in terms of trade as well as culture between uh, these nations. And that would necessarily accelerate, um, what will take, uh, accelerate the country's uh, economic performance, taking advantage of uh, Indonesia as a starting point. Um, what that also would extend to ultimately is that when you have a, a strong Southeast Asia, uh, the China-US uh, tensions would also be eased. Um, what Anwar Ibrahim had stated was that he would actively pursue both China and US and economically benefit from both parties, which is what is needed in Southeast Asian countries, um, not picking one side, but practicing active uh, uh, new, uh, active partnerships with both parties uh, while maintaining uh, neutrality. So I think that would make Southeast Asia a very attractive region with not only huge economic potential, but also strong geopolitical ties. Uh, Fami Fadzil, um, what, do you, what do you expect this government to do uh, as far as um, promoting its place in, in, in the region and fostering good relations, as James Chai was saying there with with not just china but also the united states yeah i think i think um uh, mr anwar has uh, is a is a well-heeled uh, uh global traveler uh, i think he has uh, uh, many friends in in many places uh, in fact uh, yesterday his his very first press conference uh, after being sworn in um i was there it was quite quite a wonderfully messy affair uh, because none of the uh, Prime Minister's office staff have been put together, and yet here we are. Um, he got a call from uh, uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. So, so uh, while we're doing this press conference, he gets his call. Um, but that shows, uh, I think, just uh, how the relationships that he has cultivated over the years, uh, I think uh, now is a, a good time uh, for him to put a lot of those contacts, uh, a lot of that network uh, into action. Uh, I think uh, we will be seeing probably um, Prime Minister Lee Sien Lung of, of Singapore made a call this morning. Um, and I think um, uh, we, we are in for hopefully better days ahead where we reset Malaysia's place uh, in the world. Uh, we, I feel as, as a parliamentarian uh, in Malaysia, um, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, the last two prime ministers, uh, Mr. Muhyiddin and then subsequently Mr. Ismail Sabri, uh, perhaps uh, did not take advantage uh, of uh, international fora, including uh, a United Nations General Assembly uh, speech by Mr. Ismail Sabri um, to really reset Malaysia's uh, position in the world. I think Mr. Anwar will quickly course correct uh, on that front. Uh, is that your view as well, uh, Meredith? You, you expect a more internationalist approach to, to Malaysia's foreign policy now? 
I do. I mean, Malaysia's foreign policy tends to be highly consistent, so I wouldn't expect any major course corrections or changes. But at the same time, the positioning vis-a-vis -vis China, vis-a-vis -vis the U.S., vis-a-vis -vis other partners, you will see minor nuances. But those nuances are important, especially in as much as Malaysia is pulling itself away from and out of the uh, ignominy of the 1MDB scandal for instance, and it's really trying to find ways to make sure that it maintains export markets and that it brings in investment and it does all of these other things that, that allow it to regain its economic footing, given that Malaysia's economy is so highly externally exposed, that this is a country that is so tightly tied within global markets. So any reassurance that Anmar is able to give, and I, I agree that I think he will be able to give, that this is a country that is on more stable, stable political footing, that is prepared to engage with the world, that is not to be isolationist, and that hopefully will also continue with some of the initiatives of recent years, uh, for instance, toward trying to find a resolution to the conflicts dire as they are in Myanmar, that Malaysia has, as in the past, really tried to adopt something of a mediator role within ASEAN. So those sorts of things help to signal Malaysia's stability, its strength, its ambitions as a nation. And so I think all of those are likely to proceed, hopefully in a healthy way under Anwar's leadership. James Chai, you, you see it that way as well, that uh, Malaysia could play more of a mediator role in, in the region? Yeah, so, so I, I really do think that uh, Southeast Asia uh, would start to play that role. And it's quite uh, an opportune uh, moment as well, because the rest of Southeast Asia are currently turning to more strongman rule, and, and it's traditionally been the case. So Anwar uh, and uh, perhaps Jokowi, and hopefully a Jokowi successor in Indonesia, could stand as exceptions, um, carrying both of these worlds, right? One world of uh, being able to cite uh, the Quran, uh, at the same time being able to pursue a more modern ideals that, uh, that, that seems to uh, progress uh, the, the, the region forward. I, however, I, I don't uh, necessarily think that they could only play a mediator role. I do think that there is an active role that they could also pursue in the realm of uh, sort of like Islamic extremism, which happens in both Malaysia and Indonesia, and how they actually deal with them internally, as well as externally providing thought leadership of knowing that there is a reality where actually um, uh, the, the values of Islam uh, is actually uh, aligned with um, uh, modern uh, ideals is something that also could be espoused uh, internationally so that um, there, there could be guaranteed peace as well as any prevention of, of violence and aggression. And I think uh, this is where really Malaysia and Indonesia could take uh, a leadership position. In. Uh, Fami Fadzil, how do you see this playing out then over the next few few months? I mean, as as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier there, there has been a history of political instability um, in Malaysia the last uh, few years. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you expect that to change now with Anwar Ibrahim, as, uh, given that you're a supporter of his. Why will things be different this time, though? Uh, today, Mr. Anwar announced that uh, uh, we we have a further addition to this unity government. This uh, essentially it's a it's a coalition government, but uh, with with a unifying focus, uh, and that puts us almost at a two thirds majority in parliament uh, in terms of uh, the numbers, uh, in terms of uh, the MPs that that support the government. 
At the same time, he has indicated that uh, Parliament will be convened on the 19th of December, and the first order of business will be a vote of confidence, uh, which is rarely done for uh, incoming prime ministers. But uh, because there was some attempt at uh, disparaging uh, the numbers that uh, Mr. Anwar has by uh, Mr. Mohidin, uh, Mr. Anwar today, uh, sorry, yesterday, uh, announced that the first order of business in Parliament will be uh, a vote of confidence. Yeah, so I think this is quite unusual, quite uncommon, and yet at the same time, um, I think it's quite, quite brave. Uh, and it will put to an end uh, all speculation about uh, problems of instability. I think Mr. Anwar is, is trying to kill two birds with one stone. Uh, one is to, to quell any form of uh, dissent within uh, the coalition, as well as showing to the world that this government is stable. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see how this does uh, play out, but we are out of time now. Thanks very much to all three of you, Fami Fadzil, James Chai, and Meredith Weiss. Thanks very much for being on Inside Story. This episode was produced by Joseph John, Nihad Elabedi, Aisaba Mirsayeva, and Jimmy Gerahoon. Studio sound was by Eli Ilhani. Program was edited by George Joseph, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday.